0: All right, welcome back to the boys of one sixty first street. ALDS game one against the Guardians is in the books and the Yankees win four to one We're recording this on Wednesday, Wednesday night, October 12th Uh, Next game is supposed to be tomorrow, but it looks like rain So it potentially is going to be rained out or at least a delay Um, So we'll get into all that and recap the entire game But before we get into all that how are we doing? Chandler, I, myself, and Damon all went to the game yesterday. Murph was up in the Great North and couldn't quite make it down, but how was, how was everybody's experience with the game? Did you
1: just say Chandler, I, myself, and Damon? I believe he did.
0: <clears throat> I wasn't Good counting catch. myself I didn't. as two. I was more so saying me, myself, yeah. either way.
1: One down, ten to go. That's it.
2: When you put it like that, it sounds so easy.
1: Mm-hmm. I know. Uh- I think it was Jack Curry said, all you got to do is win 11 games. I know a lot of people have been saying it, but he was like the first yeah. one that I heard that It's like you got to go outside. 11
2: and 8, wow, something that like that.
1: sounds so easy. Like just win 11 games. You've been doing it all year. Well, it's
2: even worse when you look at the total. It's like, yeah, you need to win like 11 out of 19. Just go 11 and 8 in the month of October and you're fine.
1: Then you have to do it against the best teams of baseball. But yeah, well, so i in I'll the right honest, order. Like now I feel silly for saying – how nervous I was before the game. Like Michael K said, the Yankees should absolutely obliterate Cleveland. And this game proved that the Yankees are the better team. But I was just looking at all these little quirks that Cleveland has under too much of a microscope and thinking that we didn't match up well. And of course I still don't think we do. And a lot could go wrong from here on out, but I feel I was very nervous before the game started that everything was like a Mets esque breakdown. I really genuinely saw that as a possibility and was very relieved uh, that they handled business in game one, and specifically that Cole handled business in game one.
0: Yeah, I, I wouldn't say well, that and any of your impact and like how, how you were nervous about it, I, I wouldn't say any of that's relieved at all right now. I would say the one, my one biggest takeaway from the first game is that, you know, we were at the game, the stadium was absolutely rocking. They, for those that were there, there was a very fun intro thing they did with Nick Swisher, which we didn't know at, at yeah. first was Nick Swisher. I don't know, I'm not sure if they showed that on TV, Murph, but. Uh, it's actually kind of fun. Some very
1: low quality videos of it, but it looked cool. Not
0: live on TV though?
1: Um, no, I either was still on Yes when it was going on and then switched over because I was watching the Yes pregame and then switched over like right at first pitch. Yeah. So I, well, it, it might have been on TV. I just missed it.
0: This is going to be kind of fun because we get a in game perspective and a, a watching TV perspective because I did hear that the broadcast sucked. wait uh... so
1: when they did you guys actually see like the dragon go over the stadium like how crazy was that to see in person
0: what do you mean the dragon go over the stadium no
1: (laughs) No, there there was a there was an ad there was like an ad for house of the dragon that was that was put in the actual broadcast like it was somebody at the stadium with like this big uh cgi dragon like flying over the stadium like she was talking about it and whatever
0: so I may have just sounded like an idiot, but I didn't. We obviously didn't see that. No, ad, obviously. So, it, yeah. <laughs> so I'm just like I don't know, was there a blimp or something that I missed? But i don't know very interesting i did hear the broadcast suck. so why why did it suck for I didn't. So, did you well, listen no, to
2: <laughs> anything of it luke like watch the high just watch the highlights of like yeah. Bader's home run and of rizzo's home run it sounds like he's narrating a fucking funeral dude it was miserable who was on the call like was- i so
1: it was bob, bob costas, costas and then the other guy i didn't recognize Ron- but Chandler, you said he was a mets guy Ron- oh yeah, i Ron- did not know his name sorry um but so when I was watching it, we were talking in a college Yankees group chat that we have that's still you know pretty active, especially during the playoffs. And early on, you know, Bob Costas is a broadcasting legend. One of my friends was like, yeah, know, for the fucking Costas. Olympics. And I defended him at the very beginning of the game. And I was like, because he's just a great broadcaster. And in between pitches, he is good. But the second Bader hits his home run and the second Rizzo hit his home run, too. I was like, you know what? You're right. Like he, he like you said, Chandler. Sounded like he was narrating a funeral. Like there was Dude, no excitement can... in his voice at all. You and can get even... away with
2: that when you're commentating like luge or figure skating or something like that. But playoff baseball, you yeah, have a little bit of emotion to it. Like Bader Summer was like, or I think it was Rizzo, is like, Rizzo's happy. The Yankees dugout's happy. Cal Quantrill is not happy. It's like, really? That's your call to just hit the yeah. most electric, like the most electric moment of the game so far? Your call is that?
0: Like, come on! Now I'm gonna be honest. I, I obviously we didn't listen to the game, but I, 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 isn't Joe Buck not doing any of the games?
1: No, this year because he,
0: he he's doing like football or something.
1: Well, yeah, I guess he's just kind of taking a step back in general, which sucks because I mean people hate Joe Buck. I personally like Joe Buck. That's what I was gonna say. Um, and he, you I just associate his voice Costa. with baseball.
0: That's what I mean. Like, like yeah, I, I, there's a chill, there's a chill in the air. Joe Buck's voice is on TV. I, I don't have that same feeling with John Schmoltz because he's just he's like un, he's the worst. <laughs> he's <laughs> but,
1: the color guy though, like the color guy. I mean, yeah, matters, right. definitely. But you know, when it comes to the J- John Schmoltz isn't the one calling home runs. No, and so Joe when you Buck, listen to the highlights, you're not hearing John Schmoltz. You're hearing Joe Buck. And Joe
0: Buck home got, got into it. He got like he, always, he would always realize. give you a good call. Like say what you want about him as an announcer. He he, I really like his voice to me. Just like resembles history and like like, there are some great calls that i've watched in my lifetime and joe buck was on the call so just like nostalgic with him on the mic so uh upset about that um but yeah overall the game was a lot of fun to go to
1: it's crazy Um, how many great baseball announcers there have been just in general and obviously it's a dying art form but because there aren't as many as there used to be but the fact that the best you can put together for playoff baseball games are like not as good as the local guys, like Michael K, right now is called the best game that I've watched in the postseason so far. When yeah, he's he calling, the, he was calling the Cardinals game, and, right? Yeah, and like he's the Yankees, you know, local guy. And I know that some of the you know, local guys from other teams' names I can't remember, but they seem to be a lot better than these national guys who who don't call a lot of baseball, who like, I don't know. It's weird. I
2: didn't realize like how many of these impactful calls that Joe Buck had, I was putting together that like tick pick thing yesterday, the little video ad and every single one of those clips, like the Boone home run, the Jeter, Mr. November, the brocious hits it in the left. All those are Joe Buck. Like even the game that we got to learn, like Altuve, sit the Astros to the world series. That's Joe Buck. Like the, I think the three run home run off the foul pole might've been Joe Buck. Like every good memory you associate yeah, or bad memory that you associate with the Yankees comes from Joe
0: Buck. I mean, they're just all good calls too, but
2: he is. uh, Yeah. I
0: don't know. Moving on from that. I'm definitely upsetting that he's not the, the announcer. I I don't know if we're going to get any with, with K maybe hopefully it's not all Uh, Bob Costas.
1: He's only doing it with ESPN and they're not getting a ton of these games anymore.
0: Um. But well, yeah, let's let's dive into the game a little bit. Actually, before we dive into the game, so it is supposed to rain. And Mur- me and Murph were talking before uh, we got on the air, Chandler. So I'm curious to get your your take on this. Um, I was because at first glance, I thought and same thought process as we were talking about in the last episode that I don't know why there's an off day today. Um, the whole benefit to them or to not playing a wild card series is the fact that we will be rested and building in a rest day after game one seems a little silly to me considering you want them to feel the detriment of not winning the division or being a top two seed. So that, like, out of the gate I thought was stupid. Now on top of that, they're going to get an extra day's rest. So essentially now all, all sides are equal. It's a fresh series with, with the exception of being down one nothing. So that was my first read of that, but Murph had an interesting take on that. So Murph, why don't you enlighten us?
1: Yeah, so I again forget who was talking about it exactly, but the if the game does get pushed to Friday, then we're going to go through an entire series with Cleveland where they're not going to be able to pitch Bieber or McKenzie twice. If it, the game were today, then Bieber would certainly be well rested enough to pitch game 5, and if it were tomorrow, he'd be able to throw it on 3 games rest. If this game gets pushed to Friday, then he's only going to have two days rest uh, before game five. So he's most likely not going to be able to go out there unless he has a short outing in game two. And in which so case Cole
0: would now we, be able to absolutely. Right, pitch and again. we'd be
1: at a weird spot though, because Cole already pitched. So regardless of what happens with the next few games, he'll be ready for game four. That would be his normal rest. Game four is going to be on Sunday. So if this game gets pushed back though, if it, so if this game's on Thursday, then Nestor would be good to go for game five if there is one. If the game gets pushed back to Friday, you're not going to be able to throw Sevia or Nestor. So you're going to need to throw Tyone either game four or game five, if, if applicable. And so you kind of have to navigate that then if the game gets pushed Friday. Because either Tyone is going to have to start game four and Cole is going to have to go out for game five. Or Cole is going to go out for game four on full rest and then you're going to have to save Tyone to start game five. Or Herman, either one or, you know, do a bullpen day, whatever you have to do, but I think it's going to take Nestor out for the second game.
2: Well, I think if you end up with this, you obviously have to evaluate the series. I don't think there's any set like solidified. This is going to be the game plan. I think if you do this and you win game two and you roll into a game three with Seve, whatever, say you lose that game, you're two and one in the series then I think you you have afforded yourself that luxury to start Herman or to start Tyone without really sweating it a whole lot and then you have the other one as backup I think if you're down in the series then you play to win that day you play with Cole Mm -hmm. you do whatever you got to do so I I think let's get through games two and three and reevaluate when you get there I don't think I, I don't think there's a set plan I don't think you can have a set plan until you know what you're playing for on that day
1: Absolutely, and, give, and that just shows how important game two is, especially if it's on Friday, because, you know, if you go up 2-0 and go to Cleveland, you've afforded yourself that at least, if all goes to hell, there is a game five in the Bronx. If you drop tomorrow and you split, then you could theoretically lose the series in Cleveland. <clears throat> and then, you know, your pitching matchups get more complicated. So if you're up 2-1 going into game four, I think the play would be to start – herman and tyone most likely because then either you're going to have game five with cole in the bronx or you're going to win that game four in cleveland and then you're going to have cole ready to throw game one in the next series on full rest that's that i mean
2: i think that's the only way you can go about it
1: i think so too but it's going to be interesting if they're one and two going into game four so if you drop the next two then all bets are off you can throw cole game four
0: yeah um, so ahead of the game, our friend—we've uh, brought him up on the show a bunch of times before. He's our friend is a Red Sox fan. Me and Murph went to school with him. His name is Matt. Um, he asked me—I thought it was sarcastic—before the game, but he wanted to like know my keys to the game. So I was like, "Are you being sarcastic, or do you actually want my keys?" Because I got keys. So I was like, "All right, well, he was—he actually wanted to know." So it was like, "Here's my, here's Luke's Kia keys to the game," um, and a lot of them actually did come true. And I think this is obviously. Relevant to the remainder of the series it's more so to the game today, but like These things need to happen every single game for us to do well out It's not even necessarily tailored just to the series, but for the entire playoffs But I just wanted to go over the keys and see like which boxes we checked in the first game So my first key was obviously starters to give length uh, Because our bullpen sucks slash is hurt. So Cole did that Cole I know a lot of people have kind of mixed feel. I, I, I was shocked to hear this, that the people had mixed feelings about Cole because I think he shoved. Um, there were times where he did look a little inaccurate and he was just throwing the curveball a lot. So if they were able to lay off the curveball, that's the – to play devil's advocate, people are saying, if they were able to lay off just the curveball. I'm just saying. No, yes, stop, Cole. Stop. All right, I'll stop there. Cole shoved. Stop. He gave, he gave no, length, no, no. all that. Can
1: we dive into that a little bit, though? Because the one thing, the biggest thing, in my opinion, that happened – is he got into trouble. You know, he allowed his home run. That was going to happen. We all knew that. What was it, nine postseason games in a row and eight games in a row that he's allowed a home run? We know that's going to happen. Yeah. And then I know after it's be that, Stephen he Kwan, gets in a bases no power, loaded Right. That's yeah. not his fault. But, no, it's not. I agree it's not. I'm just – the biggest yeah, I, thing that he showed me is that after that, after he, he missed his, his spot – because he yeah. did miss his spot. It was a good pitch, but he missed his spot. And he left a fastball, and Kwan got a hold of it. So that went wrong. Then the bases get loaded on IKF booting a ball and then kind of that little misplay, which great play from Oscar Gonzalez to pretend he was running home, but they missed the out there when on the ground ball to Rizzo. And then, so the bases are loaded and he had to get a few outs that inning. And then he he pitches out of that, even though things that were out of his control were going awry. And that was like the prime example of an inning that he would normally blow up in. And I thought for sure that he would, if he like stuff started hitting the fan and he he worked his way out of it and we he needed that so badly to be able to work out of a little jam like that and he did and that's what that was the biggest takeaway right. in my opinion I think and that's wait, the only thing, that takeaway my, you can have that was no, my you last you can have any no.
2: negative takeaways about Garrett Cole's performance last night if you're he taking negatives walk. away from that you're looking at this but what, i mean you're not a coach so there's no need for us to break it down any further than what we saw you had your ace go out there in his first start in the Bronx he gave you six plus. He struck out eight. He gave up one run. He pitched around some very, very shoddy defense. He pitched mm-hmm. around some really shoddy calls. Uh, what what more do you want from the guy? Like that is perfect. Yeah. That's it. That's it. Yeah. That's the headline. Signed, sealed, delivered. I know. Just know I'm just to, saying, I wanted to, to
0: address the uh, elephant in the room from the people because uh, people are talking, and I, I I just wanted to address that apparently not everybody thought it was. Uh, just a great start by Gary Cole. This is well, everything you can start, ask for. He
1: didn't come out like the first couple innings. I was like, oh, he kind of doesn't really have it. Like he like that's Montreux what we were saying. All to Chandler. over the corners. And, you know, Cole was leaving him out over a little bit. And like even the first at bat, Quan ripped one foul. Jose Ramirez ripped two foul in his first at bat. And I'm like, oh, they're on him. And then, and then he dialed in, and he got there. And it was after that after he got out of that third inning. And that could have gone one of two ways, and it worked out. Yeah,
0: so the biggest thing there, I think, was—and that was one of my keys, my key of keys to the game— was that when he does inevitably get into trouble, like you said, Murph, in that bases-loaded spot, he limited the damage, keeping the ball in the ballpark, he only gave up one home run. And when he does give up something, a home run, like to Quan, specifically in this spot— Don't unravel like he did when he was throwing a perfect game through five or six and then he gave up four and lost the lead So he did that. He did that. Well kudos to Cole got the ovation that was just a very fun time and um, Yeah, I'm very happy about that. My other key to the game. Another one that came true as well was that obviously ahead of the game Last two weeks of the season judge was getting walked like nobody's business obviously because he was Getting a home run record that he was chasing and obviously hitting the, the daylights out of the ball. So, him being walked a lot was probably a, a good assumption. I think he only had one walk and no hits, but and three, three strikeouts K's. actually. So, oh, three K's. Yeah. But my key was that like people around him, like Rizzo, Stan, Glaber, need to come up big when they have the chance to, and be good, especially moving forward. Because if they aren't, if they're playing well, like, you know, they, have the new batting average. It starts over in the postseason. People look up at that. You get the scouting reports, who's hot, who's not. If the, if Rizzo, Stanton, and Glaber are all playing well, that gives Judge protection in future games. So they these guys need to be playing well all throughout the playoffs in order to get let, let Judge get pitches that he'll be able to see. And that, I mean, Rizzo took one deep. I mean, I'm not sure did glaber and stanton do anything glaber got
1: a hold of his first one it was on the warning yeah, yeah. track and no
0: hits inning. though but no strikeouts yes and, so nice. and then i believe
2: stanton put together a couple, a couple really good yeah Stanton put together a couple really good at bats nothing to show for him i think he walked once or he twice walked. and he had a couple k's i think i think he had a pop-up and a couple like a k or two but he he was locked in he was fouling pitches straight back which mm-hmm. when stanton isn't waving and missing when he's when he's able to catch up to the fastball up and in, that's the dangerous Stanton. That's the Stanton that's locked in. That's going to take, you know, you hang one, he's going to take it 500 feet. He showed a lot of that. Yeah, he didn't get results necessarily, but anybody who watched his at-bats, like you can you can tell that there's a lot of positives there. This isn't the Stanton from September that was completely fucking lost. So yeah. I think I think that's a massive positive. Bader, obviously, we'll get to that, but I I thought a lot of the at bats all around, especially against Quantrill and how he looked last night. Where especially early on, he was dotting corners. I know Murph texted us like multiple times we were at the game of like, "Holy shit!" Like Quantrill is just painting, and we were sitting right there. Well, yeah, well, we were sitting right there where the TV was right above our heads, so you could you know watch the game, be like, "Ah," and then everybody boos, and it was actually just like a perfect strike on the corner. So. Uh, I mean, the math the checks out. He it. was dealing. He was dealing. He looked really good, and I thought we put together a lot of good at-bats, and that's just something you're going to have to do against good pitching. Obviously, Quantrill's not the best of the best that we're going to face. The real test in this series comes tomorrow or Friday whenever you face Bieber, but I think there's a lot of encouraging signs. Yeah, he's no Especially... He's no. Souch, though, so I'm,
0: I'm happy with the way they handled him. And, and you heard it from Rizzo post game too, like they asked – what like what he saw there and all that, and he's like, Quantrill was was absolutely dealing tonight. I was able to get a hold of one mistake, and that was probably his only, only mistake all night, honestly.
1: Yeah, I Baders, mean, the, was, the Baders hit was, was a off nice a good pitch. pitch. It was, yeah. and then you know, manufactured a run off. What I don't know if it was an error. error, Oscar Gonzalez, but it should have been because yeah. that's he's either he's not getting an extra base hit if he fields that cleanly, and he ended up with a triple. So
2: I, I would say it was a double and an error. Because he's fast, I think, I think
1: he gets thrown out at second, but I don't know. I, no. I, don't I mean it's
2: watch. IKF running, so he's pretty yeah, fast. Yeah. That's about the only thing he can do, right? Let's Jesus see what they gave him. priced Oh, it's it's got to be a double in there.
1: No nah, single. Six.
2: Really? Yeah. All right, even better. So, uh, that's something that needs to be addressed because we haven't talked. Maybe we have. I don't think we've talked since the official roster being released. No, we haven't. So. Peraza being left off is I think when you leave Marwin and Hicks on, I think that sends a bad message, right or wrong. Like whether you want to say you want to put a rookie on there or not, if he was hitting 250 and playing and defense, and he was just this highly touted rookie, that's one thing, but he's been one of our best hitters for the last month. And especially when we were trying to rest starters, he came in, he proved he belonged. And then just as, fate has it first inning first ball up the middle ikf fucking boots it and then immediately grounds into an inning ending double play so like Mm -hmm. i I think it's i think it sends a bad message to your prospects that it doesn't matter what you fucking do like we have our guys and if you're not one of them then fuck you
1: see i'm not surprised that hicks is on the roster over him i kind of saw that coming whether it's right or wrong because i i mean obviously i think i'd rather have peraza i think he provides more value but we knew that hicks was going to be on there over peraza Marwin I'm su- genuinely surprised about because I don't know one thing that Marwin does that we need that Peraza can't do better. Um, because I guess he can play the outfield, but so can everyone else on the bench and Peraza can play anywhere in the infield. first base. Maybe you know, that that's Marwin the only can. thing I can
2: think of is that but then, but whenever
1: compare well, can play first base, I know, but that's the only Carpenter thing can I can think of.
2: Base. That's the only thing that I can think of is that whenever DJ got officially ruled out is when Marwin made that roster.
1: Oh, and, and that's it the was. but what that's I thought. The only thing that makes sense. So I thought that this roster would look pretty much like it did, except with DJ without Marwin. I figured if DJ was left off, it would be Peraza instead of Marwin, and it should have been. There's no reason, but we're not going to see Marwin. Probably, hopefully,
2: we wouldn't have seen Peraza in full disclosure. We would not have seen Peraza. He was not going to be the starting shortstop. There was zero percent chance of that happening, no matter what he did throughout that last month. So you know i i'm the biggest one to shit on ikf whatever especially for how he played last night and his first opportunity at a Yankees uniform in the playoffs it might be his first playoff appearance ever i'm not totally sure but he did have a triple no he didn't no he, he had a single he had a single <laughs> and he played he played pathetic in the field just i mean there's no way around it he had one nice double play congrats you're a major leaguer you, you're supposed to make that play but I I just lost my train of thought when you said he had a triple that pissed me off um so no 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 so Peraza was never gonna start shortstop as what I was getting at and we could sit here and bitch about IKF whatever it doesn't matter he was gonna start he was gonna start every game it doesn't matter what Peraza did so that's kind of my where I'm at on it like (laughs) I'm pissed off about it but it should never it should never have been in that situation but it was always going to I guess
0: yeah Murph you said something interesting you said uh, you mentioned Marwin and how he's not—he's hopefully not going to play at all. That I think that's interesting because I, I agree with you, but I think that's interesting that they even had him on the roster, considering they are carrying 14 and uh, position players and 12 p- like pitchers. If he's not going to be on the on the field, then why carry? Why not carry an extra pitcher in that case?
1: Yeah, I know. I agree because like I who I, I think do we there's have though clear reason for Lacastro to be on there. You need some guy who can do that. Clear reason for Higashio could be on there. You always need two catchers plus. He'll, he could start a game in there somewhere. Carpenter, obviously, for the bat. And then Hicks, I kind of see because he's the next guy that can play outfield. He is a switch hitter. He has been in the playoffs before. I see that a little bit. I still don't know if I would have put him on my playoff roster, but I see why he's on there. Marwin, nothing. Yeah, he's a switch hitter. Yeah, maybe he's been in the postseason, but that's why you have Hicks. He can't run. He plays subpar defense in a few different positions, but guess who you can move anywhere. You could move Cabrera to any position on the field and put someone in left. You know, I just, I feel like Peraza would have, if given this chance, more of an impact than Marwin ever will. And if we're in a situation where Marwin comes in, most likely Peraza could have filled that same hole.
2: Yeah. Well, to answer your question, Luke, why don't you go with another pitcher after we didn't even talk about this after the F Ross injury and Chapman, just being a shitty human. What options do you really have outside of bringing in like Weissert or something?
1: Because there's Braille. nobody
2: that was left off that roster that would have had a true pitching impact. Uh, no, not a Brayu. What the fuck are you gonna do with a Brayu in the postseason?
1: Well, what are you gonna do with anyone? Uh, so, like, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Well, that's what there's I'm saying. Nobody. Do you
2: do you want a guy at least at the very least at the end of a game if you need if you get to like a long 16 inning game just like they had the other night and you need a pinch runner at least Marwin can do that, but a Brayu doesn't a, a Brayu doesn't really give you anything other than mop-up innings so I, I don't know I don't even know if Abreu was fully healthy
0: yeah, yeah. another I mean, another I mean, thing on health that we didn't talk about yet because it was yesterday morning or whenever the lineup came out is that the the fact that just I thought it was very funny everybody was looking forward to the 26-man roster and then <laughs> the he's like yeah here's the roster but like everybody's hurt and they didn't mention anything about it until that moment so Dude, um, that, Efros got hurt two
2: weeks ago, and they they hit it.
0: I know. That sucked. DJ got hurt. Efros was hurt. Uh, Marinaccio obviously isn't on the roster. He was he didn't look good walking out when they were announcing the names. I don't know if you guys saw that on TV, but he was like limping and crutching around. I mean, he wasn't on crutches, but he was limping around. It didn't look great. Um, not very promising. Obviously, Ben Attendee not on the roster. Montas not on the roster. Uh, so if we move on to the ALCS, there, there is the hope to look forward to uh, they didn't necessarily rule out DJ yet, but they they've been saying it's a long shot Broke for him foot. to. It, yeah, I know. No they didn't rule it out, which but I, I don't know that I needed to say that at least. But he's probably not going to be on the roster. Benatendi, Montas, who knows? We'll see. But for all intensive purp intents and purposes. <laughs> I actually have been saying that wrong for my entire life, and Chandler corrected me yesterday. I used to say, all, for all intensive purposes, and I and I honestly, I'm, I'm willing to bet that a lot of people listening to this podcast also said, for all intensive purposes, so I don't feel stupid for saying that, but it's all intents and purposes. <laughs> if you knew that, uh, great. If you didn't, you're welcome. But for all intents and purposes, this is probably the roster we're going to have moving forward, if we do move forward beyond this series. And uh, one thing that I wanted to talk about specifically about I guess completely pivoting off of that um, is the Donaldson play off the wall because that was something that I wanted to bring up because uh, this is our first time we're gonna name this I think we're maybe potentially if if the shoe fits every game gonna have a Kia cuck of the game <laughs> and I think the uh, perfect person for that is our first Kia cuck of the game is Josh Donaldson one because you know he hits that that near home run off the top of the wall, that's not a home run. I, I don't care what you say. That hit the Dude, top of the wall I, came no, back in.
1: I, I understand that now. But at the time, I was so confused as to how it – I've never seen a ball hit the top of the wall. I get that there's padding and then an actual cement wall and, like, how it physically can come back in. But I watched that replay so many times in just utter disbelief and confusion on how that did not – I thought it hit the box, the Bud Light box that was, like, <laughs> resting there. Like, exactly. I really so, did. I was like, i seen a it home before. Run. Like, I, I,
2: I hate that. Josh Donaldson in other games, uh, in other, not in the Yankees
0: games. I
2: hate Josh Donaldson. Like, that is no secret. I will give him this to his credit. The first base coach did high five him. Like, dude, I would. What do you suppose? What are you supposed to think as a base runner when your coach is high fiving you? That like you don't high five a guy trying to leg out a double. So I mean,
1: he should have been legging it out to the be given. They played the siren. <laughs> Yeah. They played the siren. And I got an alert so on like- my phone. It said Donaldson Homers, 2 1 Yankees. Like, <laughs> everyone too. thought it was out. I mean, good for Gonzalez for actually throwing it in because I probably would have thought it was a dead ball if I was in right field, too. But I mean, but I, I think I mean, ball don't lie, though, because right after that, uh, one goes right between the wickets, like Mr. Gonzalez and IKF somehow gets a triple right. and gets batted in. But like, yeah. I was so mad when that happened and not even because he he could add a double. It was just like, how did that not go out?
2: No, he is the King of hitting balls 313 and a half feet and then seeing What happens? He's either going to pimp it and get thrown out or he's going to pimp it. And it's going to be a fucking wall scraper. So Mm -hmm. I don't know, but outside of that, I I'm, I'll give credit where credit's due. I said coming into this that if you need a guy that's going to really and truly propel this team to the next level in the playoffs, it's got to be Josh Johnson because they're not going to stop putting him in the middle of the order. And to his credit, he was two for two and drew a walk. walk. So I, he played a, he damn made a, good he third. Made
0: a damn good play at third base exactly. too. Flash yep. leather right before, and we didn't mention this too, speaking of flash and leather, uh, Cabrera making that fantastic play in left field. Yeah, that where was he almost
1: just, a Steve Bartman situation.
0: That was really, really cool.
1: Pretty close, yeah. So did you they hear about uh, uh, he lost? Yeah, the defensive yeah. card came out of his hat, and they got the hat back. But somebody has that defensive card. Somewhere. That's
0: cool. I wouldn't give it back. You That's a really that cool a piece of memorabilia. Fan? Yeah, I think did so. I will see... keep it.
2: No, I'm saying, do you think it was a Yankees fan or a Guardians fan that hit him on purpose, trying to?
0: Oh, I didn't see that. The
2: ball. I mean, I mean it wasn't armed. The match. guy
1: was going for the ball. But he stiff armed. Same him way Bartman back. was. Bartman was a Cubs fan. He was still going for the ball. You don't. I don't know. I don't think Bartman's a Cubs fan anymore.
0: One more thing Probably. that was that was interesting on um, on the Donaldson thing, I, I remember hearing somewhere somebody was talking about it, but the the how much it kind of extra sucked because the the potential that that could have been called like a ground rule double because nobody really knew what was going on and you, they could have called it dead and then called a ground rule double and that's why so I, more so more like fuel to the fire of like well, I, that don't, think that, I don't think I don't think that was Donaldson's that. yeah I, yeah I don't think that was Donaldson's fault whatsoever but.
1: Um, I mean, it kind of sucks because, like, for... definitely run hard out of the box if you know it's close, and he didn't run hard even out of the box before that part happened, but, like, can't really blame him that much. It, Casas was ripping him. to, and, the, and what's his name? The guy whose name I keep forgetting. Ron uh, Darling. Thank you, Ron Darling. Uh, they were both kind of ripping him for it, and I'm like, I'd be the first one to rip on him if he wasn't – if it was really his fault. The way it looked, can't fault him.
0: Yeah. Um, couple things here because I mean we've already been talking about this game for a while. It's only one game, but um, couple things to just rattle off that I, I wanted to see and I didn't uh, Wanted to see Matt Carpenter. Didn't see there there was a situation where he'd probably come in, but I just wanted to see him for selfish purposes. And two, the the real thing that I want to talk about was I want to get you guys' take on bringing taking out Wandy with eight pitches, uh, and bringing in Clay Holmes for the final two outs when it seemingly wasn't really. Much of a an issue for Wandy. Obviously, not a lot of pitches. I I get what you're saying. Like you, you can't really ask him to get all those outs, but you can when he has low pitches. So I'm I'm, I'm curious. You can. To see.
2: That's not the that's not the problem. I don't I don't have an issue with it because Wandy Peralta hasn't thrown in a month. Clay Holmes has thrown what one playoff inning ever. You have a four to one lead. Get your closer some work in a high leverage spot. Don't push Wandy, a guy that hasn't thrown a pitch in a month off a major league mound. Like, you lose nothing and gain everything by that. Unless Clay Holmes comes in and blows that lead, which he didn't. Like, he walked a guy, and he, his command wasn't perfect. But your odds of blowing that game are very, very slim. That's a perfect situation to work your guy that was supposed to be your guy. That was supposed to be the closer, working back into that role. And also, left a guy who hasn't thrown in a month Kind of take a breather. Like, hey, you did a good job. You did your job. You did more than we could have asked for. Like, I'm not saying that his pitch count was so high that it was going to hurt him or affect him, but you have an off day the next day. Why not get your closer some work?
1: Yeah. And then on he's top got of that, one
2: postseason inning ever.
1: Yeah. And the, I mean, Wandy didn't really have much either. And so you did need to throw Wandy, and the eight pitches are fine, but you can't have him getting a five out save to begin with. And then he comes, I know it's eight pitches. So once he got the first out, I'm like, oh, maybe you know maybe they will and then when they pinch hit uh miller he's a righty you don't want wandy they brought wandy in to begin with because he was facing jimenez and then brennan and he may or may not face gonzalez but either way they're trying to pitch him to the lefties they bring in a righty pinch hitter you're up three you only need to get two outs when else are you going to know whether holmes has it or not like what's what's a better situation to put him in and that was the perfect one, and it made sense. If they left uh, Brennan in, then Wandy probably would have gotten one more out, and then maybe finished it. But it, I think they, see, I think this was the game sense. plan
2: the entire time. I think that you were going to let Wandy go either till you got to the righties or till he showed a crack. He got to the righties. Clay Holmes mm-hmm. is in. I don't. I don't think the situation mattered there. I think it was solely to get your guys some work in a game that your odds of winning are ninety five percent plus. So. I, agree. I
0: agree with all that, and I'm just, I, I I just, the reason why I was a little skeptical and, I, and the reason why I brought it up is because just like if the guys work and I know it's the playoffs and you have a plan, and I think, I agree, I think there was a plan, that was the plan when they got to the lefties or the righties, they would bring in Clay Holmes and you need to get him some work, but in the playoffs, you have such a small margin for error, and you never know if some guy has it that day. Wandy had it. That's all I was saying is like, why not leave him in or try to get yeah, there? Yeah, but that's
1: the thing—you have it until you don't. When you're a reliever, it's not like a starter. Yeah, but at least, that's, a, at least that's at least that's a guarantee on the Helsley. day. But at least no, that's it's a guarantee
0: not. on the day versus a, a new guy coming in. That's uh, that was my only thing. It's not, you not, though, don't because look all at
2: all No, it's not. All it takes is Wandy to peg one guy and then leave a hanger, and it's a four-three game. Now you're bringing Clay Holmes into a completely different situation. But he had
0: eight pitches. Uh, It
2: doesn't doesn't matter how many pitches
1: he has. He's not a starting pitcher. It's a reliever. You know, you eight pitches. (laughs) I know he wasn't tired, but you have the rest of the series. That wasn't why they pulled him because he was tired. They pulled him because of the matchup. And you know, you only they if that's the the case, that's fine. Last week in the wild card, they tried to get Helsley to throw a five-out save, and he blew it with two outs in the ninth inning and now and i guess uh, yeah i could be sitting here looking
0: silly if he was he stayed in and then and i mean it looks like a good decision now because it worked so i'll just bite my tongue then i just thought
1: i think it was a a good decision
2: regardless like i really i do not see much of a downside like murph said as a reliever you have it till you don't even then, like eight pitches, he looked amazing. You have to, if not, then win. Exactly like Murph said, you've got to get Clay Holmes some work. He's been off and on the fucking IL since the all-star break. Phantom injuries are not. He's shit the bed. You gotta build the guy's confidence back up. If you're gonna if you're gonna go far in this postseason, if you want to win the CS, if you want to make it to the World Series and ultimately win a World Series, Clay Holmes has got to be a dude, especially with all these injuries. You can't throw him into an unknown. If you go out there and you kick ass again tomorrow or Friday, and you get two nothing lead, and then you, you know, what if he doesn't get another opportunity, or what if his next opportunity comes in and your text clean inning, this is a Clay Holmes safe situation. He hasn't thrown in two weeks. Like you I'm don't you. know what's gonna happen, so. I, I don't know. Like I get it. And in in the moment when you're in the stadium and you're like, why the fuck he taking out Wandy? And everybody loves Wandy he's a fan favorite. So seeing him leave, it's a little bit of an emotional reaction of, well, oh, what the fuck he's got eight pitches. But when you kind of peel back the curtain and then you look at the situation that's unfolded over the last month or two, especially with injuries to both of them, it, it makes sense.
0: No, I agree. I'm with you. I, I like the, what do what you said about making sure he at least got some work coming off being rusty him, both him. Now you look at it from a, like a, just a macro lens moving forward. Both of them now got meaningful work in the playoffs. And that's, that's a good thing for both of those players who were not very, uh, active towards the the stretch of the, the end of the season there. So I'm happy about it. Just wanted to bring it up. Um, I think that was it for me. Did you have anything else that you guys wanted to chat about? Judge had a steal and then took third. That was pretty cool. But,
1: yeah, well, yeah. Um, but The only yeah. other thing was uh, I was glad to see Loazio get in there. I think he's going to be another big bullpen guy that's probably going to get some leverage situations. I feel like he was the right call there because you don't have to just throw him in high leverage, but I was glad to see that he got work. Um, I think we'll see Trevino, uh, first one out of the bullpen situation pending, obviously, but I feel like we'll, we'll see him and then –
2: Luisa has quietly been probably our best reliever for like two or three months now.
1: You think has,
0: You think he has any chance to be a de facto he's closer given... at any point? No,
1: he's not going to close him. I he think they'll, they'll have Trevino him before him. Or I, I think so. that
2: there's. Sure. I think there's a good okay. chance if Trevino struggles even a little bit that you could see the Weizka close a game.
1: Maybe a game. I don't know if he'd be like a close. We're not gonna have a closer no matter who it's gonna be. I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like I'm, he's gonna see. get.
2: I think he's gonna get work as a closer in this postseason. He, I think he's given up two extra base hits since July. The that's most. pretty good.
0: It's gonna be. It's gonna be revolving door. It's gonna be even like Cole might close some games and like a, if you need to shut the door to get out of a series. Like I, I don't know, know why not. you're making that face. He totally could be.
1: I know it could be. I hope not though. I don't like that.
0: Okay, I mean, you have seen it all the time. Range. Like Chris Sale's done it, Nate, Nate Evald's done yeah, it, yeah. Robbie Ray's us. done
1: it too, and Altuve. Er, Cole was Alvarez going took to do it against feet us. in the bottom of the ninth inning with three men on.
0: Okay, well, that's Robbie I Ray. I
2: mean, Garrett Cole is not Robbie Ray. Robbie <laughs> Ray's not. the Bobby biggest Cy Young winner. So, uh, oh my he, God, you literally texted us yesterday that he was the biggest fraud Cy Young winner of all time. <laughs> you can't have a, it both ways.
1: A, I don't think I said that. You're right. Fits your narrative. Um, I don't think I actually said that, but. I mean, he he might be. Yeah, I can Rich, type the Rich source post, and tweet except it out. Except for Porcello, but uh, either way, um, the point is he's not the worst pitcher in the world. Might be the worst Cy Young winner in the world, but he's still a Young, and they still brought him in. He's still a starter. Yeah, on and two he got days show.
2: rest, and he uh, coming off a terrible start.
1: I don't. I would and not. And a pretty like bad ending Cole to the Cole season. Space. Maybe. Maybe. I you would know, love it. Not. The
0: point is, I think we're gonna see a revolving been- door, and I don't necessarily think it has to be a reliever that's gonna get closed. I, I, wouldn't be, like, hot take. I wouldn't be shocked if you, we we saw Nestor Cortez in a winner go home situation closing out innings,
1: and he would be in the jackknife Hall of Fame.
0: That's what I mean. I think I, I think that more than Cole, I could see him close. If you had to choose, gun to your head, Cole or Nestor closing out a game to move, uh, like a get out of like get out of town, go to the next series game. I think I'm taking Nestor there. Taking Derek Cole. I'll know. answer that
1: question after <laughs> game two. How about that? Yeah, probably. So Nestor
0: plays? I don't know. I, I I kinda wouldn't wouldn't hate it. But uh yeah, moving on to next game. Uh Shane B reverse Nestor Cortez. We'll see what Nestor has. I, I'm confident in Nestor. We roughed up Bieber last time we played him in the playoffs. So uh that being said, he did just deal com- against mm-hmm. the uh the Rays last. Right they don't have as good of bats Congrats. as us so that's interesting to see how he fares against us this time but yeah i'm i'm feeling good one thing i just want to say before like this series is absolutely not over i do think that that this being such a young team the the guardians i think they were probably a little shook coming into the bronx it was very loud um they definitely did not have that treatment in the in the last series i mean they were home the entire series so they never felt anything like this. Most of them, because they're all like 22 years old. So I think maybe there's a chance they settle in, and uh, we'll see how that fares in the next games. But I think this, this
2: is definitely not will lock definitely go four, and that wouldn't shock me if it goes five.
0: Yeah, it's a good team. This is a very good team. Yeah, I think so game don't count
1: two. I mean, obviously the next game is always the most important, but game two is huge because I'd feel much better going to Cleveland knowing you're gonna have to come back to the Bronx or you're gonna win.
0: Yeah. That's true, uh, that's it for me. Anything else from you guys?
1: That's it,
0: all right. Hopefully, the game does not get rained out, and uh we got some baseball to watch tomorrow. See ya.